Okay, everyone places. This is the final scene, so let's make this one count. And... Action! Hello and welcome to Popcorn, a fan's guide to what's now in theaters. I'm your host, Kaylee. And this week, we're exploring the timeless children's classic, The BFG, reimagined by Steven Spielberg. Now, joining me this week is our wonderful guest reviewer, Eric. How are you, sir? I'm mighty fine. Well, as you can tell, Lulu Bell is off this week, so Eric is kindly stepping into her very big shoes, although they're not as big as Mark Rylance's BFG. To be fair, I do wear 14s. Well, you're almost there then. Getting there. Like oh, so, so close. But I, you kind of are a giant yourself, Eric. I've been called that many a time. <laughs> so the BFG, of course, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's based off of Raoul Dahl's book by the same name. And he's a British novelist. He wrote many stories that we all know and love, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. And all of these stories have been turned into movies, some to greater success than others. And the BFG story itself actually follows a little orphaned girl named Sophie. And she's kidnapped by BFG and taken to giant country. But why did you bring me here? Why did you take me? Well, I had to take you. Because the first thing you'd be doing... You'd be scuttling around and yodeling the news that you were actually seeing a giant. And then there would be a great rumple dumpus, wouldn't there? And all the human beings would be rummaging and whiffling for the giant what you saw and getting wildly excited. And then they'd be locking me up in a cage to be looked at with all the squiggling, you know, hippo dumplings and crocodile dillies and jiggy rafts. And then there would be a gigantic look-see giant hunt for all of the boys. I won't tell. No one would listen to me anyway. I'm an untrustworthy child. If you haven't read the books, you're probably wondering what's going to happen to this poor little girl. But she realizes that BFG is big, friendly, and giant. And unlike his brethren who eat human beings, as they say, they eventually come together and formulate a plan to stop the other giants from going into the human world and eating people and this plan eventually ropes in the entire british country including queen and military so it's a fun ride i it's been so long since i read the bfg like i completely forgot the story Uh, utterly (laughs) i think spielberg forgot the story too Oh, dot, dot. Oh, yeah. Well, then why don't we start with what didn't work? So tell me what what blew for you. But no, I, I think that my issues with the film version is, and this is almost with every adaptation of a doll book, except for possibly The Witches. Uh, but the issue is it's so light and so sanitized, it loses the nastiness of the source material. You know, it's almost, you know, and I hate to say it, but it's almost too friendly. So, like, you kind of get the the idea of the giants going around and eating children, but it doesn't go into the depths that the book does. It's not as scary. And, in fact, you don't really get to know the other giants as well as you do in the original book. So, I mean, I also think that the plotting is a little scattershot. The, the narrative in the film is less linear and more kind of episodic. It's like kind of side adventures in between... And I guess my biggest issue is I don't think you get enough time between the uh, the BFG and Sophie, which is 
the heart of the entire, you know, the book and the film. But I don't think the relationship is built enough in the film. Well, I felt like there were possibly some pacing issues with the film where it was really being shuffled along, very plot driven. And now that you mention it, yeah, I could see that there wasn't a whole lot of time for that relationship to develop between Sophie and BFG. For the most part, I was pretty enchanted by it, but it's because I'm such a visual person. This film is visually stunning, which we could talk about more later. But I found what, what didn't work for me was, and this I think this has more to do with this theater I was in. I saw it in 3D, and when I was wearing the 3D glasses, it made the film very dark, so it made it hard to see. And since a lot of this film is either at night or in the dark, it, it made the action difficult for me to tell what was going on. So this is another time where like 3D just doesn't, it doesn't add anything to the movie and I don't think it needed it by any means. Also, my audience was very chattery, but it was full of young children who were loving it. So I guess that's a good sign, <laughs> but. I think it's just, I think the overall tone is in a weird way, it's too cute. That's my overriding issue with this film. It's too cute. It's too nice. It's just too... It's like it's trying too hard to be something that it really doesn't have to be. You know, they're trying to protect kids so much by, like, you know, getting rid of all the grubby, nasty stuff that you're not left with anything really all that memorable in the first place. Kids are tough. They can handle a little giant eating or, you know, as long as there's somebody around to make them feel okay afterwards, they can handle it. And... Doll never went over the edge. Anything that was nasty that happened, happened to bad people. Mm-hmm. So in the book, it was the giants got the worst of it. You know, in Charlie and Chocolate Factory, it was the bad children who got punished, while Charlie, being a good kid, never received the same level of ramifications. Right. Well, I think it's, like I said, I've been so far removed from the books that I, I think that I, I just don't have that coloring, my perception of the film. I don't know, given the kids' reactions in the film, I didn't hear too many cries. There was a few, but I think for the most part, the kids enjoyed it and were able to handle it. So maybe Spielberg could have pushed it a little bit harder. But again, you know, Disney was involved and Disney always likes to soften things up. And it's interesting, I saw an interview with Spielberg on YouTube about the BFG and he was talking about how Disney doesn't shy away from the dark stuff. And I'm like, are they paying you to say that? I mean, like, have you seen the original, you know, Cinderella where they're cutting off body parts or what have you? So, (laughs) Yeah, any of those, like, fairy tales, somebody's getting an arm off. Exactly. It's, yeah, although to be fair, if Disney does one thing, it doesn't sanitize villain's deaths i mean scar gets ripped up pretty hardcore there yes if you're evil you're gonna get it that's pretty much it if you're evil you're gonna die the worst way imaginable (laughs) all right well let's move on to things that we did like and what actually worked for us so jumping into that eric what are the things you liked about the bfg well i agree with you 100 percent. it is visually stunning this is a gorgeous film so, I mean, that sequence when they're at the uh, the dream tree... Mm, my favorite. Is, yeah, that's a highlight of the film, just in terms of... Especially in terms of the aesthetic, in terms of the feeling it does uh, evoke, especially when they go through the water. It's a nice little touch. Yes, there's, there's something... It's the photorealism in this film. Oddly enough, it worked for me, probably because it was tweaked just enough, because I knew it was supposed to be a little bit cartoony. 
the BFG is not human, not supposed to look human realistic, and yet they added just enough to make him look photorealistic. And this this has been a, a big issue with me lately, particularly with, for example, the Jungle Book and Tarzan, where you have photorealistic animals and they never look quite right. Somehow the BFG looked right to me. And I'm still trying to figure out what it is. Maybe because he's not supposed to actually look like a proper human being. Whereas like those animals in those other films are supposed to look like real animals. And then they don't when they don't move right, it really bothers me. So good on the technical team for BFG for making him just feel alive and truly real. I liked that a lot. But one other thing that really I loved about this film was that I just... It took me back to my own childhood. Like, I had this huge influx of nostalgia from movies like... It reminded me a bit of, like, The Goonies in some ways, or maybe even E.T., where you had these just wonderful kids' movies. Like, movies that were... You had strong kid characters, memorable kid characters, and they had stakes. They had to do something, and... I know you're saying that the film is kind of watering down those stakes a bit, but compared to what I feel like a lot of kids' movies has been like over the past maybe 10, 15 years, this film, to me, felt like it had a little bit more grit or bite than, than say, like Finding Dory, for example. Oh, Finding Dory. <laughs> Which is adorable uh, in of itself. But I agree with you. Yeah, Finding Dory is way tamer, whereas Finding Nemo actually does go pretty hardcore. It goes hardcore, uh, well, I think from the parent side, um, which we could save that for another discussion later. I, <laughs> but but I, I do, you know, I miss kids' films that have a bit more oomph to them. And, you know, even though we didn't see the giants eating children necessarily, except for so- Sophie's dream, her nightmare, I should say. You know, it it was um it was intense. It's like, oh my gosh, these giants are actually going to eat this little girl. Or, or you know, it did remind me a bit of like James and the Giant Peach, the animated one. Or just it just was it retook me back, man, and I liked it. <laughs> I'll note that the uh, James and the Giant Peach starring the two stars of Abfab, which will be at a movie in August. Things to look forward to. I also actually I want to give some credit to Rylance too. Oh yes, definitely. Motion, ca- motion. I mean, I think he's probably he's the strongest like non-visual aspect of the film. I personally wasn't a big fan of Barnhill as Sophie. I thought she was a little cloying. Oh, she was times. cute though. <laughs> yeah, but not. I mean, like the kid who played Mowgli in the Jungle Book, I thought you know had a very mm. strong performance because yes. it wasn't trying to be a kid. I think she was kind of and kind of my general feel for the film is trying too hard. But Rylance is great. You know, what he does with that character is just wonderful. So, I mean, he makes for a great BFG. Mm. He was my favorite part, hands down, completely. Like, I want to see Rylance do more voice work. He was incredible with his voice acting. And I'm not sure if he's done any other voice acting. Not every actor could do voice acting. But Rylance, he stepped over the divide and delivered big time and... I loved it. It was magical. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up now with our food ratings. I already know what this film reminded me of, but Eric, I want to hear yours. Oh, so much pressure on me. 
So actually, I'm going to use this as a comparison with my mom, uh, not in terms of her cooking, but an experience she had back in the day when she went to uh, a restaurant owned by Emerald. Bam. Yeah, bam. <laughs> and she was there. He actually cooked that night. And she was remarkably underwhelmed by the meal she got. As in, he was definitely overly inflated. So I think in this film, you know, because of Spielberg's involvement, even though I think Spielberg lost his fastball a while ago, you still respect him as a master craftsman. You know, he's Steven Spielberg. He's one of the greatest directors of all time. On the other hand, you respect the guy who does it, but the meal itself is going to be a disappointment after all that hype, after all those expectations based on the man behind it. So... Don't go eat at an Emerald restaurant. That's pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> Burn. Well, for me, my, my mine's a lot more uh, saccharine and and goofy. This film, like I said, the biggest thing I, I walked out of there feeling was nostalgia. And what came to mind is like all those yummy candies of my childhood. And yet I'm a child of the 90s. I grew up with my the good Nickelodeon, all that stuff. And... All that wonderful candy, like Warheads, and what was that? That fizz or something? You it like fizz in your mouth and pop rocks. Oh yeah, but sp- <laughs> atomic fireballs. Yes, but specifically, what also came to mind because uh, I love chocolate is Wonder Ball. Do you remember that? Oh no, I do. Yeah, God, that stuff was that stuff was the jam back in the day. Oh gosh, the chocolate with the little Smarties in the middle. For those of you who don't know, they need to bring that back. The Wonder Ball is the bomb. Just saying. So that's how the BFG was for me. I I found it very charming, and I think you know, kids today, this is a good way to maybe get them into doll as well who if they haven't experienced him before because he's just classic and uh, this like this film is visually stunning it's worth just seeing it just for for the dream tree sequence at least well eric i do want to say thank you very much for jumping in and discussing the bfg with me this week it's always great to hear your voice well thanks for the invite and yeah always agree it's always fun chatting with you about these things And I want to say thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. You can, of course, read more of Eric's reviews on our website at popcorn.weebly.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to us on iTunes. And leave us some comments there, maybe a few stars, share us with your friends. Thanks for listening.